0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to our daily time together in God's Word as we continue studying together through the book of Acts. Uh, We've been following uh, Paul and Barnabas as they are going to new places preaching the gospel, and we're seeing how God's blessing them and how the church is growing in these new areas. So today we're going to continue following uh, Paul and Barnabas as they move into a new town, Antioch of Pisidia. So uh, we're going to follow them in uh, Acts chapter 13. Uh, This is a very long section. It goes Acts 13, verses 13 through verse 52. So we're going to break this up into two parts. We'll look at the first part today, uh, and we'll look at at the next part tomorrow morning. So we're going to look today at verses um, 13 through 41, the first part of their sermon. And then tomorrow we'll go 42 to the end of the chapter. So today we're going to look specifically at Acts 13, uh, verses 13 through 41. Then Paul and his companions set sail from Pamphos and came to Pergia and Pamphylia. John, however, left them, that's John the Apostle, to return to Jerusalem. They went to Pergia and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day they went to the synagogue and sat down. Now, after reading the law and the prophets, the officials of the synagogue sent them a message, saying, Brothers, if you have any any word of exhortation for the people, give it. So Paul stood up with a gesture and began to speak. To Israelites, and others who fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and made the people great during their stay in the land in Egypt. And when an uplifted arm, he led them out. For about 40 years, he put he put up with them in the wilderness. After he had destroyed the seven nations of Canaan, he gave them the land. their land as an inheritance for about 450 years. After that, he gave them judges until the time of the prophet Samuel. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. Then we had removed him, he made David their king. In his testimony about about him, he said, I have found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart, who will carry out my wishes. Of this man's posterity, the Lord has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had already proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his work, he said, What am I supposed to do? Suppose that I am. I am not he, no, but one is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the throng of his sandals on his feet. My brothers, you descendants of Abraham's family, and others who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. Because of the residents of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize him or understand the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled these words by condemning him. Even though they found no cause for sentence of death, and they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had carried out everything, when he had carried out everything written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him up from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you good news of what God has promised to our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us their children by raising Jesus, as it's been written in the second Psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As to his raising from the dead, no more to return corruption, he has spoken this way. I will give you the holy promises made to David. Therefore, he has said in another psalm, you will not let the Holy One experience corruption. For David, he had had served the purpose of God to his own generation, died, was laid beside his ancestors, and experienced corruption. But he whom God raised up experienced no corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, that though this man forgives sin, that the, the, through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. By this, Jesus, everyone believes is set free from those sins from which you cannot be free by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, that what the prophet said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, be amazed and perish. For in your days I'm doing a work, a work that you will never believe, even if someone tells you. Once again, so Paul, okay, it's important, as we said before, to pay attention to who the audience is. So when Paul, Barnabas, any of the apostles speak to a Jewish audience, they're going to always they are going to always go back to retell the Old Testament story. When they're speaking to a Gentile audience, they're not going to do that. A Gentile audience, they may hit some of the high points of the um, of the Old Testament story, but they're not going to do like Paul did today, and he's quoting the Psalms to them. We we see several psalms mentioned here. And psalms, remember for the Jewish people, the psalms are their hymnal. Um, That's what the psalms were. These were the songs they sang when they went up to Jerusalem. One interesting thing you need to always know, too, this is just a little Bible thing. There's a lot of little Bible things I think it's important to know. For instance, always know it's the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, it's Revelation. There's no S on it. It's the Revelation of John. So just You know, if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about with the Bible, always say Revelation, because that's what it's titled. We want to say Revelations because there's multiple visions, but it's really just one revelation to John. Second thing, in the Bible, they always go up to Jerusalem. So if you're looking at a map, where I'm in Madison right now. So if I'm going to travel to Memphis, what am I going to say? Well, I'm going to go up to Memphis. That's what what you typically say. If you're going north, we typically say you're going up. If I'm going to say, I'm going to go to Hattiesburg, what am I going to say? Well, I'm going to go down to Hattiesburg. If you're going south, you're going down. That's our language. Up is typically north. Down is typically south. In the Bible, you always go up to Jerusalem. That means if you're going from Beersheba in the south to Jerusalem, north of there, you would go up to Jerusalem. Likewise, if you're going from Jericho in the northern part of the country to Jerusalem, you would still go up to Jerusalem. And likewise, if you're going from Jerusalem to Jericho, you're going to go down to Jerusalem, even though, I'm sorry, down to Jericho, even though you're traveling north, likewise down to Beersheba. The reason why, you're always going up to Jerusalem because that's where Mount Zion is. That's where the temple is. So you also, anytime you see in the Bible, they said they go up to Jerusalem or down from Jerusalem. That just means they are going literally to Jerusalem or away from Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. You always go down from Jerusalem. So just some some little Bible things there. I think it's good for us to know when we talk of Scripture. But I think it's important here to talk about this notion of corruption. And when you read the account in Genesis of the fall, what do you see? Sin leads to death. They ate from the fruit they should not eat from, and they will die. So everyone that follows after Adam and Eve is of human flesh. And we have experienced what the Bible here calls corruption, meaning we're just born with a sinful nature. All of us are born with sinful nature. That means we're frail and imperfect and we make mistakes and we get sick and we die. That's just the way of human life. Death is something that comes to all persons. We are human. Our lives on this earth will not be infinite because we have what the Bible says. Here's that notion of corruption. We have the, the inherited sin nature of Adam and Eve. That's just reality. Jesus, when he died, though, did not experience corruption. Why? Because he was sinless, because he was the son of God. So because Jesus did not experience corruption and overcame even death, those of us who have been born of his spirit also will not experience corruption that same way. We will die, but we will live. For through Christ, sin and death have been overcome. Sin is our corrupt nature. Sin is the actions we do there. Sin, we have a sinful nature in that we're born with the inclination to sin. Uh, John Wesley and his beautiful, I'm sorry, Charles Wesley and his beautiful love divine, uh, take away our bent to sinning. We have this bent to sin. We just have this nature to sin. That is our sinful nature. But then we have sinful actions. So our nature produces the actions. And then what do we learn in Genesis and throughout Scripture? That the consequences of this nature is death. Well, when we're born through the Spirit, our sinful actions are forgiven. Our sinful nature is being corrected or sanctified. And because of that, we will not taste corruption for eternity, because we will be made alive in the Spirit now on the earth, and then for eternity in heaven. So Paul is walking through all the Old Testament. Walking through all the Old Testament, going back to Abraham, going back to David, going back to the prophets and explaining to them how Jesus Christ doesn't stand against the Old Testament. How Jesus Christ and what God has done through Jesus is not some new thing that should be foreign to the Jewish people, but it is uh, the completion or what he says, the posterity through the through who was to come from David. It is actually what all this is pointing towards. So Paul's going to always do this. Anytime Paul is talking to a Jewish audience, he's going to go back to what they know. The Psalms, their hymns that they sing, their stories uh, of Moses and the prophets and of David. He's going to pull from their history. He's going to pull from their heritage and show them how through that, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all that. So through Jesus, we do not experience that same corruption. We are born again in the spirit. So our sinful actions are forgiven. Our sinful nature is being redeemed, restored, or sanctified. And then we will not taste corruption for eternity because of the life found in Jesus Christ. So today, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear sin. We are forgiven. Through Jesus Christ, our sinful actions are forgiven. Our sinful nature is being redeemed. And our eternity is secure in Christ. So today, I rejoice because of the work of Jesus. For uh, He has redeemed us, He has saved us, and He is saving us. So tomorrow, we're going to pick up with verse forty-two and look at what happens after this sermon's given. So um, join us tomorrow as we see the response to Paul's message here in Corinthian, here in uh, Antioch. So. Antioch of, uh, this is a different Antioch than where he came from, Antioch of Pisidia. So um, join us tomorrow as we see the response to Paul's sermon. Have a great day.